What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Making the Turn, the premier green industry podcast that highlights professionals across many areas, including golf course management, sports turf, sales, business, education, landscaping, and more. Making the Turn is hosted by me, BJ Parker. I've spent nearly 25 years in the green industry, mostly as a golf course superintendent, and now I want to bring the knowledge and insight from myself and the many people I've met and continue to meet along the way. Making the Turn will provide valuable content for those looking to learn from others, gain useful tips and tricks, and be better in their daily lives. You can find Making the Turn on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe. It helps keep the podcast growing and getting better. Thanks for listening, and welcome to another episode of the Making the Turn podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the podcast. I am your host, BJ Parker, and I appreciate you joining me. This is the Making the Turn podcast, and we uh, and I do appreciate everybody uh, listening. Uh, thank you for all the comments and all the things that you have uh, sent to me. I, I really do appreciate it. And if you, if you would, if you'd have a, a minute to take some time and uh, go to the uh, wherever you listen to the podcast and, and uh, rate and uh, leave a comment or um, about a review about the show, I would appreciate it. And uh, it means a lot to me and it means a lot to whatever I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. So I do appreciate it. And um, just uh let me know if uh, if I can uh, if there's a guest out there that you want to hear or, or me have somebody talk to. I'd love to I'd love to hear your feedback. So and today you're in for a special treat. I I've got a guy who's been in the industry for a awful long time. He is uh, a pillar in our industry in the area in Middle Tennessee and in, in the Tennessee market. He's been around. He's done a lot for our uh, the golf and sports turf and just about anything. He is the general manager for Tennessee Business with Smith Turf and Irrigation, Mr. Bill Blackburn. How you doing, sir? BJ, I'm well. I hope you are. Thanks uh, for having me. Hey, man, I appreciate your time. I thank you for doing this, and uh, it's going to be fun. I'm yes, looking forward to talking to you. Likewise. We'll have a good time. Heck, absolutely. I, I mean, I appreciate you opening the, uh, the offices up. I don't get a chance to get down here much, but uh, you guys uh, do a, gr- a lot of great stuff here at Smith Turf. We've been very fortunate. Uh, you know, BJ, we just – we just celebrated our 94th year as a company, uh, 27 years just here in, in Tennessee. I'm, obviously, I'm here in Nashville, and and I just celebrated that 27th year. Uh, we've been very, very fortunate since our, our arrival in, I guess, uh, 92. And uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of changes in this industry. And, uh, you know, as you look back and I start to reflect as I'm almost 60 now, uh, you, you see so many things that are different. Uh, yeah. As you and I are sitting in this conference room here at our office, our training room, I should say, we have a little meeting coming up in a, a couple of weeks. And uh, and I'd sent some things out internally, said, we need to meet here and we're going to meet in such and such office. And one of my coworkers of X number of years said, Man, you got to get with us. You got to get us a big screen television and stuff back in there instead of what you're doing. And as I gander over to the right, I realize, yeah, there's a little screen that we're going to have to yeah. huddle around, and none of us can see or hear. So I better get with it a little bit, BJ. Well, it looks like the old school teacher room where they roll in the cart and all that. Well, no, no, wait a minute. Now, be, be easy on me now. I already had to take a little hit this morning. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, in, in that vein, it's kind of funny you say old school teacher. My degree's in education. I went to school to teach and coach. 
and that was actually my passion. That's what I wanted to do um, was teach uh, and coach. And uh, what did you want to coach? I, I was more of the core sports, whether it be baseball, yeah, football, okay. basketball. Now, you know me, you and I have known one another for years. Yeah. And, you know, at 5'9 and, and uh, built kind of like a fullback, I love basketball. And humbly could shoot the eyes out of it. Sure. Uh, can't jump more than about three inches. And I'm thinking, <laughs> hey, the three inches, that's uh, that's even a joke now. But I kind of probably wanted to do that. Then, then through high school and and uh, in college, I still had that that desire uh, but I did get involved in the in the golf industry yeah. uh, before I was old enough to drive a car, and uh, so things kind of changed there. But as you make fun of my my classroom yeah. in here, it does kind of look like that old school. You're right. Yeah. Well, you got a nice place here, man. Y'all have done a lot of. Yeah. How you said you this is the original location for for our Nashville when we came to Nashville in in '92. At the time, I worked for the Toro Company. And, uh, but I never, I've never had to relocate. Now I had to travel, uh, yeah. and perhaps we can get into that a little bit later, but, but in fact, in, uh, in August of, uh, of 92, um, there was a change in distribution ship and uh, I resigned from the Toro company and went to work to STI simultaneously. STI was a customer of, of mine. Sure. That was one of my distributors that I called on and, uh, for about five years previous. So we built the building in which you and I are sitting and uh, it took us about a, about a year to get that done. Yeah. So uh, we've been in, in this building about 26 years. So it's, it's still a pretty cool place. But, but it needs a little updating as I look to my right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, do you have multiple sites across the state that you're responsible for? I, I do. Um, th this one would be what we would call the distribution center. Okay. Nashville, Richmond, Virginia, and, of course, our corporate office being in Charlotte. I've uh -huh. uh, been there since, actually, 1934, I guess. And and as one can imagine, it sure. is a much, much, much larger facility, um, uh, again, as our corporate facility. Um, but, yes, I have a little small branch, a little irrigation branch, predominantly in uh -huh. Franklin. Uh, and then we uh, we just opened up a new location in Knoxville, only about a mile from our, our previous site of sure. uh, when we first started. Um, it's been there. Uh, we've opened it up in January, okay. about the same time you started your podcast, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, And it's been successful up there, so yeah. I think your podcast has been as well. Sure. But, uh, yes, I have a, a facility there huh. that, that – um, uh, bodes well for what we do is uh, as we travel the state yeah. uh, mainly coming out of nashville as it relates to turf equipment or golf irrigation if you will right yeah well cool well we'll get into all that um we and you have known each other for quite a while we've had a lot of uh, time to work together and know each other but and but i'm going to learn a lot about some of the things that i didn't know and so for people that don't know bill blackburn what you do kind of where you came from and how you got to where you are Kind of give a brief history of, you know, your past, your career, and some of the things that have guided you to be the here at STI, and um, you know, we'll just kind of see where that takes us. Yeah, and I'll be I'll be glad to answer that, uh, BJ, and and uh, there are probably going to be some things I'm not going to tell you. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but but as I listen to as I listen to your podcast recently with with Jimbo Thomas. Um, there are some similarities in there. Both of us have a, a very raspy voice. But Jimbo's dad was my elementary school principal. 
uh, Jimbo and I both grew up in Franklin. Now, he's four years older than I. Okay. Uh, and we both, as kids, and he would, well, he might not tell you, but he would say, I didn't know the difference between turf grass, as Jimbo says, yeah. respectfully to Jimbo. <laughs> Uh, turf he was worried. He was so worried about how his voice was going to come across. And man, I'm telling you, it's just who he is. Well, that's you too. Well, <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, he was not the same Jimbo on your podcast. He was so polished, and so I'm thinking, good gracious, BJ's going to have to sit there and monitor these uh, these dials when I start <laughs> speaking. But but Jimbo, he uh, he did. He, uh, I did enjoy very much both yeah. of you all. Uh, but but Jimbo's dad was was my principal, and and to that point, we both known one another uh, since we were kids. Uh, and uh, I actually started to work out at Carton, the little the little course in Franklin, uh-huh. uh, as a kid. I could mow greens, uh, nice straight lines before I could drive an automobile, and a little nine hole course. Uh, and at that time, I had just really gotten and gotten involved in golf again. I. I really wanted to probably play collegiately baseball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Johnny Bench or Pete Rose, that was that, I thought that was so cool. But as uh, it, is it kind of turns out, um, I, I kind of laughed when I heard Jimbo uh, in that I worked there uh, through high school and actually through my first couple years of college. And actually, uh, upon my graduation day, I became the director of golf at at that time, Carton Country Club, uh, when I was 22 years old, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that, that I, I kind of laugh looking back. We both kind of started right there in our hometown in Franklin. And yeah. Jimbo's moved back, and we're glad to, glad to have him in the area. Yeah, it's good to have him back. Yeah. So, so after so being the director of golf at Car- is Carton, that's not a, it's not around anymore. No, it, it isn't. Uh, sadly, uh, you know, we kind of made fun of it, the yeah. little Augusta or the ranch or – uh, we, we called it a bunch of different things, but as a kid growing up, and as I look now, as I'm 60, as I referenced almost, my brother and, and a lot of my closer friends are nine, ten years older than I. You know, playing at that golf course, it was converted and 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 became an 18-hole facility. You know, so much fun. You could go out there at daybreak, uh, play golf, swing pool open, jump in the pool, knock the stench off play nine more holes, time to get a hamburger or a hot dog. That's really about all they had at the, those early days. Jump back into the go shoot basketball, play golf to dark, and your parents come pick you up at dark. That's yeah. all you did. You paid 45 holes of golf. Yeah. Never thought a thing about it. Where can you do that today? I, 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 that's, that's a rhetorical hard. question. Yeah. Where, where can kids do that? And you think, well, how do we get kids involved in golf and, and all due respect to any facility? There are not many little – Country, country clubs like that. Yeah. Now, granted, it's in the middle of Franklin, Tennessee, and and um, you know, being at the at the Carton, the Carter House, or excuse me, not the Carter House, but uh, Carton Plantation, uh, with so much history, the Confederate Cemetery there, and that's uh, to your your question, that's been all converted back to uh, the battlefield as we know it, and uh, the golf course. I know what it looks like. I know what's happening out there, but it's not golf today. Yeah. yeah. So tell me how that, from that point on, what, where'd, you, where, where'd your career kind of take you toward? So, uh, yeah. so how you ended up here? Yeah, uh, fair, fair question. Because um, the director of golf, that I mean, you, I'm assuming you were. I was inside. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, yeah. So that must have got you in, lo- in the joy of the game and just kind of being around it. And 
Well, I, I, I actually, uh, learning how to work out on the golf course, learning how to mow, learning how to do the, the very basic yeah. fundamentals. Um, my junior year, before I started my junior year in, in college, and I went to middle and graduated in 82 with a degree in, in education. Um, but I got a call that early that summer that uh, the little course in Murfreesboro, at the time it was a little 9 course, Fox Run Golf Course. It's, uh, I've told a few folks lately. It's, God, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard that name in a it's while. On, it's on the property of, of where uh, Indian Hills. Indian Hills, yeah. Yeah, it was the same, same piece of land. It was yep. going to be developed. And uh, interest rates, I think, in, in that, those years were 20, 22, 23%. They were astronomical. And the two developers uh, that, that were there contacted me. Um, I had a mutual friend at the little club in Franklin that, that said, uh, you know, here's a guy that's pretty dependable uh, that you might want to talk to. And at the time, the, the late Richard Eller turned out to be one of my closest friends in the industry, rest his soul. Uh, I had lunch with his, his, uh, his wife uh, not, not long ago. But the point is, um, Richard uh, was in the golf. I mean, he he continued to want to play a lot of golf, sure. and and they probably couldn't afford that. So I became the the, the manager uh, when I was 20 of a little Fox Run golf course, and I, I learned enough about outside uh, to maintain 328 Bermuda grass, a uh, little 419, a little common, uh, and, um, and I learned a little bit about the inside, mm-hmm. you know. I graduated from Franklin High School after flunking out of BGA. Jimbo and I both went to BGA. He made it through, but I flunked He's out. going to get you for telling on him. Well, that, that's fine. <laughs> um, but, but when I actually went to Franklin, uh, my junior and senior in high school, I was, I was uh, jokingly, I was the best, car, best dressed in my senior class. And BJ, you know, when you're the size and you know, get a little portly, um, the lilacs and the Kelly greens don't look quite as good. But I no. loved clothes. I love soft goods. And any colors, um, uh, you know, Pickering was, was a popular brand back then. I mean, anything Pickering or, or J. Marr slacks. And friends still make fun of me wearing <laughs> stretch all the time. But, you know, I, I thought that stuff was, was so cool. So being, uh, being one that really enjoyed to try to look nice, or at least I thought I did anyway, yeah. uh, kind of got me to the opportunity where the time I graduated college after – Almost two years at Fox Run. Um, there's when that opportunity came at, at Carton, and and I had the job. I had a job upon graduation, and that took me away from ever being a coach. Right. As we know the term coach, I had junior golf programs. I loved yeah. dealing with the kids, and that may be one reason why uh, my my little course at home. Uh, maybe maybe looking back, it's kind of stemmed from some of that. I'm sure. not I'm not real sure, but but that that kind of led to um, again having enough knowledge to be dangerous on both both ends. I had a chance. Um, I had a chance after about two and a half years at, at Carton in that role, and it was a cool role. Uh, looking back, I mean, I had a, a golf shop. They funded it actually. They funded it for me. I had some golf cars I could rent. I had a club repair back when refinishing persimmon stuff was 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 in, and yeah. I love getting classic clubs and, and making them look new. Uh, some of that old McGregor stuff, so cool, so fun, but. I had a chance either to move to St. Louis and sell for uh, Pro Group uh, Palmer and Hot Sea Bags, and 
uh, or I could get involved in selling turf equipment. And there's a little glitch in there we, we won't talk about, but I had a chance to sell for a local distributor here in Nashville uh, in 1985, and, and that took me to East Tennessee, and I, I, learned, I learned how naive I was um, for about a year in the Knoxville area. I made a change. They, they brought me to Nashville. And, uh, and I stayed here for a couple of years. In, in 1988, I guess it was, I had a chance to work nationally for Olathe Manufacturing, which was at that time uh, partially owned by the Toro Company, then became wholly owned, if, if I recall correctly. So I had a chance to work nationally and call on distribution uh -huh. on the entire eastern seaboard. Yeah. And Smith Turf was one of my customers. And... Um, I don't know if I answered that question. I'm awfully long-winded, but that's all right. It's kind of how I did it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, and uh, and today I, I'm um, I'm I am, I'm dangerous at everything I still do. Yeah, uh, but I'd like to think I've I've contributed somewhere along the way, BJ. I'd like to think that. Well, you certainly have. You've certainly done that. And so you mentioned that you were at Toro. You were working for Toro, and Smith Turf was a a, a customer of yours. That's true. What was that? Because I think you uh, earlier you said that you you decided not to be in distribution anymore. How did you go from Toro to Smith Turf? Yeah, um, the, the the facts are for um, for almost five years. Uh, I, I traveled, I, as I referenced earlier, I've, sure. I've never moved. Uh, I had no desire to really move to Minneapolis, and that was that was an option. Or be out in the field every day or every week of the, of the year, basically. Um, but I, I called on at one time or another like 21 different distributors, and Smith Turf was, was obviously one of them mm -hmm. and, and recognized as one of Toro's most valuable uh, largest distributors of, of, of equipment, Toro brand equipment, and the other Allied lines. And uh, I, I, I look back and realize how, how neat that was, how yep. lucky, how lucky I was. Because, man, I'm BG, I was naive. Uh, <laughs> I was wet by. I thought I knew what the heck I was doing, but I was wet behind the ears. And I'd get up in Long Island. My first national trade show was um, I had to meet the distributor personnel at the – Nassau County Coliseum, and nobody at the Nassau County Coliseum speaks Franklin, Tennessee brogue. <laughs> and I have no idea what they said. They had no idea what I said, but it became fun. It worked. The, it worked, and yeah. the people in the Northeast treated me, they yeah. treated me wonderful. I learned how to eat more Italian food. I ruined more shirts, spilling all that rich butter and stuff. But, man, I had a great time up there. But... Uh, when when Toro needed wanted to make a change in distribution in, in the Tennessee marketplace and and a little bit of Kentucky and and, and Ohio, um, I had a chance to be to be what I do here. Sure. And uh, again, I mean, I was thirty two and way too naive, um, but I did have a desire because I am a com obsessive compulsive type person and so you know here's your role yep. and we think you can do it and uh i didn't know any different bj i, I just figured you do what you think you're supposed to do sure. and, and uh with the highest degree of integrity and um i'd like to think I, i've done that and um but that's that's kind of how it is so 27 years later you know here here i am yeah that's kind of how it, you know that's kind of how it happened really yeah so you stroll into Smith Turf as the general manager right up from day one. 
Is that pretty much how that, it worked that, out? That's correct. Now, uh, I'll tell you, uh, I had an interview. I mean, I'm interviewing with nine people. Uh, the late Wayne Smith Sr., what a great guy. Wayne Smith Jr., Steve Smith, and the list goes on. And, I mean, I had to interview. I mean, I'm having to compete right. for this. And in the evening before where I recall being in my hotel room and I, I almost chickened out, BJ, I almost thought – I don't know if I can do what they want. Right. Uh, and I dang near chicken out. But I went and, and, and I interviewed. Again, I'm interviewing with people that I I think I'd earned their respect. Sure. And, and I dang sure uh, was respectful of what they have accomplished. And uh, so um, that that's uh, – I got offered the job. I accepted it. And, and we in the Toro Company and STI would – it was a simultaneous deal that we knew this was going to happen. Right. And so, yeah, I became general manager day one and uh, tried to assemble a team yeah. and uh, find a facility or build a facility, and we built this. And, uh, you know, be a, be a formidable competitor in this, this marketplace, yeah. uh, uh, the Tennessee marketplace as we know it, Tennessee River being a boundary for us. But uh, I've been, as I said, I've been extremely grateful for the support. Yeah. Uh, of folks in this industry, personally and professionally, it's yeah. uh, it's above reproach if the truth's really known. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I like I said, you've done it for a long time. I've known you, and, and I I know you've gotten to meet way more people than I've gotten to meet. But and this is this is what this business is about is about building relationships and about yeah. the people you meet and who you come across and who you work with. And and I know certainly STI is a partner not only in business and a lot of different things, but they. They've worked with me. They've worked with a lot of different people about just make you know getting guys what they need, mm-hmm. being successful in the businesses they do, and and so personally, I thank you for that and the friendship and the in our relationship. But um, you know that's the way this business is. It's a great. It's you just meet so many cool and neat people, and you get to yeah. now you get to sit down and talk to them. It, it, <laughs> it is, and it, it's ironic that you you say that yesterday morning. I guess uh, uh, I, I I see I see this text uh, and and. I'm a little careful how I say this, but it, it was it was Bubba. You were able to talk for a few minutes. Well, Bubba stems back from my Olathe days, and it's not because I'm a big old redneck. Yeah. Uh, and I say that respectfully. I don't know if I can say that on your your podcast, but you know, big old redneck. Uh, that's not how my nickname, but <laughs> but I became Bubba uh, before my first national golf show is is working as yeah. in, in distribution. But 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 it, it's uh, it was from a, a, a industry friend uh, that that I worked with uh, actually back in the Miami area, uh, 32, 30, 28. 30 years ago. Uh, he was a field rep. I yep. was his, uh, I was his, um, uh, uh, manufacturer's rep and, and he needed something. Uh, I had a friend up here in the Tennessee area and wanted to call and ask me, could I assist? I mean, you know, I talked to this gentleman, yep. you know, once a quarter, maybe at the most, but, but to your point, BJ, I mean, that goes back when we were both kids. He was wet behind the ears, and he's a <laughs> sales manager, one of the finest Toro distributors in the country yeah. at Hector Turf. But we, we were both naive, and but had a, I, I have I have an acronym. I call it a gas factor, and I'm not going to repeat what a gas factor is, but it could be a gap factor. You got to give a poop. Yep. I generally use I got the, it. I generally use the other yeah. term, and if yeah. you have that factor. I don't care if you're a coach or educator or someone doing what I do here. If 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 you have a desire to succeed and and have that that 
that interest to succeed and uh, and put put your resources to use, you got to have that 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 factor. Sure. And uh, it's fun to surround yourself with folks that have it. And I've seen so many uh, in my travels. Uh, that I was, it was easy to pick up in distribution where, hey, this guy's special. Look how these superintendents around the country react to so-and-so. Yep. And uh, and you can see some that you think, hey, this 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 young guy's not going to make it, or how did this old guy stay around so long? But uh, I've been fortunate to be around some awfully, awfully smart, much smarter than I. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if one can learn from, from others and kind of make it their own ideas, then maybe you're not as dumb as you might act sometimes. And, and I've seen some awfully, uh, awfully talented people that I've stolen their ideas and try to make them mine. And, sure. and I'm so, so grateful to so many um, all, around the, all around the country, but yeah. especially up down that eastern seaboard, pretty, pretty cool times. Sure. Yeah. Have you had someone who's been sort of like a mentor or someone you've kind of you know, looked up to, kind of drove you, I mean, could it be a family member or somebody like that or or uh, in the business? Have, is there one particular name that might stick out? Yeah, um, it, uh, yes, and, and actually um, uh, to, to that point, uh, before I actually answer it directly, um, I had a, a, a junior high coach uh, that I hadn't seen in 30-something years. And one of my very closest friends, he and I were, were together a couple of years ago and, and said, you know, uh, have you seen Coach? I hadn't seen Coach Shelton. And, uh, and he just passed uh, within the last, last six months. Uh, and I didn't even realize it. But, but Coach Shelton was one that could motivate, uh, motivate kids. And uh, I had a great respect for him. And I, I was, we had, we had uh, a dinner. Uh, my friend and I met Coach Shelton over in Bellevue about a year ago, and I was able to tell him to his face. Um, I'd gone on to BGA after mm-hmm. my seventh grade, so I only was, I only, uh, was at Franklin Junior High School. Right. I'm talking about seventh and eighth and ninth grade. But he had an impact, and I was able to tell him. And sure. I felt great when we got back in the vehicle and headed home to say, I was glad I was able to tell Coach Shelton. I had no idea that would be the last time I would see him. Yeah. Um, but but actually, uh, Coach Webb at BGA, what, what a nice gentleman, the, the late Coach Webb. But in business, uh, I, if I didn't say uh, Bob Bell, uh, Bob Bell, Roger Wiggins, um, uh, Bob was uh, was who I called on at Smith Turf. Uh, retired after 40 years uh, at Smith. Uh, been awarded a number of uh, accolades in the industry. Sure. Bob was uh, and remains one of my closest, dearest friends. And um, and some of that actually started because as he was my customer, uh, I invited him to come duck hunting. And uh, he came all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, and to this day we continue to do that. Yeah. And he makes that that trek over. But but Bob was um, uh, vice president of our company, and he was uh, he and, and and Mr. Wiggins were the two that I um, that I reported directly to. But but Bob more more so, uh, uh, and he managed our commercial division mm-hmm. uh, of at STI and. Um, I, if uh, he was the guy that I learned from, and it was, uh, it wasn't a whole lot of fluff, yeah. and uh, but it was, uh, it was always do the right thing, yeah. and uh, and and that's just not 
lip service. That's yep. what he meant. Sure. And and uh, you do the right thing, short term and long term. It may be painful short term, but what's the right thing? Mm-hmm. What's the right thing to do? And you do that, uh, then then that's all. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. And there were times when I would say, I need a little counsel. It may not always be what I wanted to hear right. or the manner in which he said it, <laughs> uh, but uh, he dang sure took heed to it, right. and uh, and I dang sure did. So to answer your question, uh, I'm certain that without without Bob's influence, um, pretty sure you and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, one of the one of the one of the underlining purposes of my podcast and the reason why I, I do this is I always want to kind of. I know I know what it's like for guys in this industry. I know what they're going through. I also want to give them something to sort of use throughout their career. Give back if some if they've gone through a job loss or they're not have you know they're feeling bad about something and you know whether it's finding a mentor whether it's seeking this podcast out to just learn some things that might help them along the way. Give them some career advice, some business advice. Mm-hmm. Learn from people like yourself who have done it for so long. I mean, I'm 20-something years in the business, and I'm, I'm 20 years younger than you, yeah. which is scary. But, <laughs> um, you know, so and I think that's, yeah. you know, it's important as, as I try to navigate through all this is to give some advice to people that are looking at what they're doing or if they're in a period of their life that's not going well, mm-hmm. is find a mentor, find someone to, you know, pull you through things. You, you, everybody needs somebody to, to kind of help them along the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so that that's valuable information for you know that you shared and 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 I think that as I go forward I want to always kind of pull that out of my the guys I'm talking to Mm -hmm. the ladies or whoever it might be and say hey what are some things that you know you you've experienced that helped you along the way and what can you pass along that that others might you know gravitate towards Mm -hmm. you know so that's good that's That's good stuff exactly exactly right Uh, you know you mentioned um coaching yeah and uh do you is that is that something you still try to implement in your business style, or do you do that as long you know with with your employees? And <laughs> I do want to get into sort of your daily routine, but how yeah. do you sort of yeah. how do you sort of implement your coaching and your coaching background? Because I was a son of a coach. I, I like to coach. I do that to my kids. You know, it's yeah. sort of a style you gravitate towards. Is right. sort of teaching and mentoring. So, do you yeah. do that as well? Well. Uh, <laughs> It's, it is funny. There's one of our one of our employees here that uh, that uh, he calls me coach. Yeah. I, he doesn't call me Bill uh, or or my last name. It's coach, and uh, and and I'm not real sure why. Um, <laughs> but uh, even this morning before he left out, uh, I saw him, and uh, you know what's up, coach. And um, I, I, so maybe maybe the answer is to to some degree. I, I think whether it's selling. Or whether it's motivating uh, employees, children, customers to to support your efforts, yeah. uh, to some degree, it's it's all of that. I yeah. mean, it's a it, some of the coaches I've referenced. I mean, some were horses rears, and some people may uh, respond well to that style. Uh, I was not one. I, I would always do better with. With a pat on the back, hey, we, we needed we need to try to do it this way. Yeah. I was never good at the other. I, I would like to think folks would say, you know, he's pretty firm, uh, but he's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, so I think, BJ, to your question, 
you can't help but have some of that. Some of that. I mean, you 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 got a staff whether it's at at Brentwood yeah. or whether it's here. I mean, you, you got to motivate them to want to go out and and make a hard task, raking a bunker, edging a bunker, core aeration, whatever. You got to figure out a way to where they want to go bust yeah. their tail for you. Sure. It's something you know isn't a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, and if you can make that that guy or gal uh, enjoy that and and know that that's part of the routine to make every make the whole better then you've coached them along the way and yeah. if you coach them up that's great so yeah I, I think i think you better bet it you yeah. better bet it yeah i think there's a lot of aspects to leadership especially in what we do like you said there's processes that we got to go through that mm-hmm. that you know co- the coach sort of style fits you know you got to motivate there's a lot of times, especially on the golf course superintendent side, we're asking people to do things. It's just not a lot of fun. A lot of fun, and yeah. and you got to motivate them, and 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 part of that's inspiring them to do things, trying to get them to see the bigger picture, bigger picture. what they're trying to do, and uh, you know, and that the whole thing works based on all the different things coming together. So that coaching style is definitely <laughs> something that you fall into. It is, and and uh, I referenced Paul a little while ago. Uh, it, it, with with some of that style, some that know me know that that uh, a laugh comes easy to me. Yeah. But frustration comes easy to me, and and I can get pretty frustrated. And uh, I, there was a time in this facility, I uh, I and I'm always have a, a glass of uh, or styrofoam cup of tea. Uh, and something occurred over in our customer service one day, and we did not do something in the best interest of the customer or the company. And uh, and and I threw that cup of tea against the wall, and it splattered everywhere. And I I I, I cleaned it up. Others helped clean it up. Sure. But but Bob asked me. He said, uh, Billy, uh, did done? Did you do so and so? And I said, Yes, sir. And uh, you, you think that that was the right way to handle that situation? And uh, I don't remember my exact answer, but but I do know sometimes this: uh, folks might need a, a little uh, a little wake up that hey, we're we're not going to be sloppy, right? And uh, we didn't get where we got by uh, wherever we are. Uh, we didn't get that way by by not having a gas factor, by not doing things right. And we had done something that was just I don't recall it, and that's probably good. Uh, but but it prompted that, and and I think you know I, I did kind of like kind of like Bob Knight, and I, I did like kind of like Don Shula and uh, some of those kind of guys, and I grew up with the Vince Lombardi as a kid, and and I certainly not put myself in that thing, but <laughs> that's where that maybe that was a technical foul that would yeah. have been uh, or uh, would have been you know called on the bench coach, sure. and I probably deserved it, but I I think. Uh, I think some attention needed to be uh, gotten, and uh, maybe I didn't handle it right, but I did do it, and uh, uh, so I think we've all kind of been there. <laughs> I, I guess, and, and uh, uh, but um, you try to be calm, you try to be fair, you try to think things out before you say something, yeah. especially to an employee, and I, and I believe it's really to children and. Is uh, if you wanted to call you man, you you can't break a kid's spirit. If you ever break a kid's spirit, that is, I think that is a sin that parents or or or, or those want to be coaches sure. that don't that don't understand that. You 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 got to motivate kids in a 
it's not a cookie cutter deal, BJ. Yeah. I mean, one little boy may may want that pad, and the other one may be now. Hey, hey, big guy, let, let's 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 grip this club a little differently here. Now, come right. on now. And and some may it just uh, hey, if I can just get it airborne yeah. or, or knock knock a putt in from ten feet or something at the at the little lightning bug or something, and and there's high five. And then there was a there was some things that went on out to my house last night that that was was really pretty cool and and um and maybe we'll get into that sure. but 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 you, you gotta you gotta really uh, whether it's an employee or a kid or, or or family member or your wife or spouse whatever uh you can't ever break that spirit and maybe they want to do it a different way a different way and maybe you might think your way's better but at the end of the day if it, if the task gets done and it's and it's it's their way. Yeah. And let it, let it, let them let own it, it and, yeah. and praise them for it. Sure. And um, and I think that that person will respect that and come back to you time and time again, or yeah. or run through that proverbial brick wall for you if yeah. you were the if you were that guy if you were that coach they yeah. do anything in the world for you. Yeah. So, you know. Well, certainly Smith Turf and Irrigation STI in this part of the uh, the country, Tennessee in general, has been a huge supporter. They've been – they're big in business as far as supporting lots of sports turf across all the industries. So walk me through why, why it's been so successful. What, 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 are you, what is a day in the life of Bill Blackburn like? What do you sort of do? And what are sort of some of the things that you see happening here and, and sort of what's the team like? How do you got – you know, what, what – what, um, What's the flow kind of as far as how everything kind of works and handles? I know there's a lot of, lot of moving parts to that question, but STI is very successful and, very, and does a lot of great work for a lot of different things, and, and I just want you to kind of explain what they do in case people don't know or are not familiar with them and in some of the guys that, and gals that you got working for you yeah. and what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, and I, 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 I'll try to answer that. Sorry about a roundabout question. No, heck, <laughs> I, every answer I give you is roundabout. And I'll right. eventually come back through the door, but and I hope your listeners uh, uh, don't. don't they, uh, they, love the inter- they love the interaction. <laughs> I think it's been great. So. Okay. Well, you know, in a distributorship, whether it's, you know, whether it's here at STI, and I think I said we are in our 94th year. Uh, is a company, one of the oldest distributors of Toro products in the in the world, uh, and and certainly one of the oldest distributors in the world, regardless of color. And we won't get into color uh, in, in that regard. But uh, I think we all face all of us that are in this industry. We, you know, the downturn of of oh eight oh nine. I mean, that changed, in my humble opinion, that changed the whole entire complexion. Of our industry, BJ. I mean, I firmly believe that, and and that may be from the, from the 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 green grass side, uh, the the um, the facility facade uh, side, and certainly for for those from the turf grass side. Uh, I think I think those superintendents today, whether it's golf course superintendents, whether it's sports turf field managers, uh, or those that are in commercial uh, lawn and landscape maintenance, I think we're all today forced to try to do more with less sure and that that's a you know we hear that that that's kind of become an age-old adage uh we, we try to do more with less but in fact that's what we're all charged to do yeah. 
you know, there are a number of facilities out there that, that maybe used to have a, a staff of X number of people and they all had uh, their respective responsibilities. Well, that staff is cut. And that superintendent or, or field manager is still expected to provide uh, condition uh, equally or is better than what they've ever done with less. Uh -huh. And we're charged here as a distributor to provide the same services and products that, that we've done for, for years and years with less. And, uh, and, and, it's, a, and it's a challenge that, that some days uh, what I do are, are easy. And uh, you have a customer service staff, a warehouse staff, a, um, uh, a service center staff, mobile staff. We hit on all cylinders, and, and we're great. We, we, we are proud of our efforts. And some days, quite frankly, we, we miss the mark. Yeah. And, and we can't be at certain places as quickly as we would like at times. And, and I'm, I don't think I'm immune uh, here uh, at what we do. I, I think the industry is that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and, and that, that's a challenge that, uh, that not that it wasn't a challenge 27 years ago, because it was. We, we didn't know if the phone would ever ring. And, uh, but, but today it's, uh, uh, you know, a customer can call at our counter and the days of saying, I need X, 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 send them on quick as you can. It's, I need you, I need a quote on X, 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 and, and then they need to shop the price or check right. that and, and make sure they can get the purchase order from the, from their manager or whatever the case may be before they can order right. maybe the parts that they're needed. Uh, and, and sometimes that is, uh, you know that's time consuming it takes more time away from from our people and it takes more time away for the person having to kind of do double duty as opposed to let's get these things and let's get something back up and running as it were but at the end of the day it's uh it's still having the relationships out in the field having the products that people want and uh, try to provide a fair price uh a fair price and provide the, the, the services that the customers expect, deserve, and do that timely and, uh, and gleefully. And, um, and that's not changed. That, yeah. that, 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 that hasn't changed, and I don't think that will ever change. Yeah. you, you got to do it. you got to figure out how to do it. And day-to-day, -day, when we fail and we have issues, that's where I earn what I get paid. Right. How do you deal with when we've really let somebody down, how do we fail? If, if we failed, how do we handle that? How do we overcome that? Yeah. And, and I'm convinced that's what I get paid to do. Yeah. Uh, the day to day stuff I'm charged with making these people being, uh, know what to do, give them the, the, the resources and tools and freedom to do what they do with their skill sets. And, uh, if they run into a trick, then, then I need to be there to, to support them. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how Bob Bell allowed me, how Wayne Smith allowed me. They let me make plenty of mistakes. Sure. Uh, and some, uh, some maybe being pretty small, but uh, hire good people, give them the opportunity to do the job, don't micromanage them, which I was guilty of doing. Um, and maybe that went back to some of the coaching. Yeah. It, it's, um, and you got to learn along the way. And, yeah. and I'd like to think I've, learned a little bit along the way yeah so maybe i answered the, the, your question sure how, yeah so how many employees do you do you currently oversee uh i have about 20 uh i have about 20 21 22 actually that yeah. 
that that um, I, I hate saying that work with me here sure. in, in the Tennessee marketplace. Yeah. How about that? That's yeah. the way I prefer to answer it. Right. Uh, I guess as a company, we're, you know, 250, 60, 70, 80 employees, something like that. Smith Turf Wise. Smith Turf Wise. Yeah. And, and the 20, 21 facilities with, again, the three distribution centers, Richmond, Nashville, and, and obviously Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, there's, I have 20, yeah. 21, 22, something like that here. Right. Yeah. So y'all distribute uh, Toro brand equipment. Commercial, commercial, golf course type equipment, sure. if you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, irrigation, and what other things you supply? Like irrigation supplies, pipe, heads, Toro heads, yeah. and all that. So what else? What else you got going? Yeah, there are zillion skews uh, to, <laughs> to, to, to your point, but yeah, whether it's pipe wire fittings, yeah, uh, all that, whether it be the Toro brand of irrigation, golf irrigation, sure. Uh, uh, we uh, we also uh, represent several other lines, uh, you know, Foley uh, from the grinder standpoint. We're, we're one of their um, um, better uh, dealers, distributors. We're very grateful for that sure. longstanding relationship. Club car the same way with, with utility vehicles. And then the list goes on and on, first products and, right. and, and several others. But certainly from the irrigation, um, you know, we're, we're – we're, Dealers for Rainbird uh, residential commercial irrigation, right. and and that was a decision that that, that came place uh, took place about ten years ago, and and um, I guess for a, a company that has such a longstanding relationship with Toro, that that uh, and I'd be careful here not to speak out of turn, but but when that presented itself to uh, to 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 be a Rainbird dealer along with Toro, that opened up. Uh, local or, or on a national level toro being sold by not just exclusively by toro distributors mm-hmm. and uh i understand how that all worked out so we we uh, if you went through my warehouse you'll see a lot of toro products a lot of rainbird products uh, a lot of k-rain products and pipe wire fittings out the wazoo yeah and uh it's time to start uh, getting that inventory down <laughs> i might add because i have to count it here in about two months yeah. but but at the end of the day um uh, is a distributor, you know, whether it be equipment or the irrigation yeah. or, or dealing with the uh, the landscape irrigation contractors, a whole different breed of uh, right. breed of need and service, and uh, and and then you do some of that a little bit differently, actually. Yeah. So that's what we do. Yes, sir. So I'm going to ask you some technical questions, but walk easy me easy th- on technical well, questions. Well, it's, you you'll be able to handle it. <laughs> so walk me through what the business side of it looks like from a distributor side. I mean, you've got a ton of inventory, and you've got a ton of inflows and outflows how does that all work how do how do you sort of handle that from the business side because as a businessman i know and as someone who's managing business i mean it's all about the dollars and cents when it comes down to it and you've got to pay your people and you've got to make sure things moving so walk everybody or walk me through and and hopefully everybody that listens to this kind of how a distributorship type business works yeah um, and you're, you're hundred percent right, uh, in that, um, you know, it flows in and flows out and, and, uh, and when the phone call comes in to say, you know, Billy, your, your flows out are not <laughs> as, as good as they need to be, then, then you know that your, your turns are, are not very good. The facts are, uh, BJ is, is I see it. Maybe just, let's, let's just hone in on the commercial side of equipment, if sure. you will. Um, you know today's marketplace is uh, is predicated really, uh, or as I see it, on so much of, of large packages, uh, facilities that that might be wanting to 
to, to obtain, you know, large dollars, half a million dollars or greater numbers of, of equipment, and that may roll every three or four years in the term fair market value leasing. And when, when that kind of started, uh-huh. let's call it about 15 years ago, my, my memory may be a little bit off, but but that kind of changed the complexion of things. Right. Uh, and 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 you kind of live and die by by those. The the days of uh, being at a trade show when somebody kicked the tires of a triplex screens more and say, I want one of those delivered. I wanted it at point X, and can I pay you thirty, sixty, ninety? It, those days, man, they are long, long gone. Right. Um, so, when you are are banking, if you will, no pun intended, but if you're banking on on some opportunities that we all track, the industry tracks, my competitors track. Hey, what's what gets ready to roll at such and such facility? We live and die on that. So I may have an inventory of X number of millions of dollars worth of product, multi-millions of dollars worth of product. Maybe not here, but some here. Sure. And, and and we get favored with certain things, certain orders. Man, that's great. But if all of a sudden you were to get your fanny, you know, handed to you and lose, uh, where you really were counting. Right. And, and so you have to you have to really, really be astute as to what sits in your building, what what kind of you know, manufacturers floor plans you have. Yeah. The real industry uh, issue uh, that that I see is in the demo equipment arena. There's so many products that that we have, and, yeah. and we tickle to have them. Uh, but but folks, and I can understand when they're going to spend X number of thousand dollars on a piece of equipment. They, they want to see it on their property. Yeah. And the days of, hey, let, let me just ride you down the road and let you, let you see BJ's down the street <laughs> operating. No, I want to see it at, at my worst case. I need to go to the worst hill we have and will this thing right. make it up and down? Do I really need four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, whatever the case may be? And when you start bringing in millions of dollars of demonstrator inventory, that, that is a necessary, it is necessary. I didn't say a necessary evil, but I said a necessary. Right. Uh, part of the process, you, you got to find a way to find, you know, a home for that stuff after it gets a, you know, few hundred hours on it. Right. And sometimes we may look around going, we got a bunch of money tied up that we now own. It's not floor plan yeah. that we need to find a home. And, um, you know, that's, that's changed how you do some things as quite frankly, the, the equipment that does come back from a lease, you got to find that home for that. Right. And um, the next thing you know, you have a lot of money tied up that's sitting outside perhaps or taking up space in a warehouse that's got a value per foot uh, that's a piece of equipment that's, you know, now becomes four or five years old that, that you haven't sold. Right. And that's money, and that's yeah. hard money. And um, I think, BGA, from from that standpoint, that's where you're that's, – that's some of the real challenges – uh, certainly the golf irrigation market from, from the day of, you know, hey, we overbuilt it. When you're tracking 30 or 40 projects a year and you get some percentage of them, uh, you know, if you lose 25%, that's not the end of the world. You did pretty damn good. You can do the math. Yeah. And, um, man, they're dried up. <laughs> and uh, you keep thinking, well, the renovation's going to, you know, going to kick in. And, yeah. And, and, and we all rely on that. My competitors are like. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, it's it's a it's a tough industry, right. and uh, the those that are attuned survive, and and there are a lot that that haven't that didn't make it through yeah. 08 and 09, and 
again, we've been very, very fortunate. I've been very, very fortunate. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, that's, that's how I see it, long-winded answer, <laughs> as it may be. Well, that's all right. What do you see uh, from the equipment side of things? Do you see uh, an equal mix of people buying equipment outright, or do you see a lot more leases than you would, say, years ago? Like you talked about, it's not – I mean, how is the structure of clubs going when they need so much equipment? I mean, leasing becomes – we can go down I and mean, we could talk for a whole hour on leasing versus buying. Or longer. Or longer. But what do you see from a business side there, uh, as far as um, how does that affect your business? How does that work? Because I know, as you say, those things roll off. Now you've got to deal with them again. And, with but, you know, there might be another release or there might be another package involved. I mean, That's we right. can also talk about the, the wins and losses that, that sort of sting. But, you know. From, from that coaching standpoint, <laughs> yeah. the, the losses. Yeah. You know, a coach at TA or, or or whether it's a coach or the, the athlete themselves, you know, once you knock in that winning putt, you, you forget. But that bad shot you hit on 15 or you, you hit it in the water on 12, yeah. I mean, that's with you forever. You stand up over it again, and I can't imagine being Jordan Spieth, quite frankly, and going to 12 and like, okay, let's, I got this little, little area, target area. After you dunk it in there twice, but so the losses and they sting. Yeah, and you you try to get over them. You wake up at night. You don't go to sleep at night. And for me, that was really, really the hardest part in the beginning. Is how did I get my fanny beat? What did I not do right? What could I have done differently? Yeah. And I think whether you're out in the industry, whether you're that sports turf manager or the golf course superintendent. You know, what did you not do to make that golf course as playable, as aesthetically pleasing as your membership or the the park board would like? Did you do everything you could possibly do within the wherewithal in which you had to make that the best it could be? So I hated the the losses, the wins. I, I mean, I forget them. As soon as they're over, I forgot them. I just got to figure out how to retain them four years from now or right. three years from now. To your question, BJ, uh, it's it's. I think it's fair to say um, our industry. The the. Uh, I think I can speak for competitors alike. Um, there's a vast more uh, leases, fair market value leases, mm -hmm. uh, meaning hey, I don't want the stuff back. I'm going to turn it back in in X number of months, and I'm going to pay you X number of dollars. You know, basically it's a rent is what it really is if you really add it, add it up. Sure. Uh, turn the stuff back in. Uh, and some of the challenges are did you turn it back in the way the BMW car dealership said the rider's supposed to be? And uh, and we get faced with stuff that comes back, and you got to look that customer in the eye and say, you know, this thing doesn't stop. The brakes are worn out. The tires got plugs in them, whatever the case may be. And that's not what the lease agreement says. And But you're getting ready to buy another half a million dollars, and, and we're all faced with, <laughs> do we kind of turn a blind eye on some of that? And, I, I, it's, uh, and that's more of a challenge where you got to really pay a little more attention yeah. and, and do that. But leasing, um, I'm not real sure if leasing were not where, what it has become. And I think it's a double-edged sword in some some cases. Yeah. But if it had not become that way, as we know it, yeah. as you and the listeners know it, would 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 all this equipment still be rolling in and rolling out as yeah. as, as it still is for for all of us in the industry? I, I don't know if that facility down the road could say, you know, 
Well, we can keep running this stuff for another couple of years. These greens mowers can now go to the tea boxes or whatever the case may be. I don't know, man. Um, but it, it's different. Yeah, I, I mean, my simple philosophy on it was is that whatever we're going to use a lot, uh, greens mowers, fairway mowers, they had reels on them. Anything that was going to be put through the – and, you know, depends on the course. Obviously, I've been in some high-end courses. Absolutely. We're mowing more, a lot of expectations higher. So, I, I mean, I want to temper this because there's a lot of people with a lot of different situations, whether it's sports turf or whatever. But I typically looked at things that were high-use pieces of equipment as being at least – the better option, put it in them, put it in expenditure, you know, get rid of, you know, you, you turn them in after three or four years and you get mm -hmm. something new. It keeps up with technology. Absolutely. Um, you don't, you don't get into a lot of wear and tear. They're on pretty much your, you know, greens for, for sure, because that's mm -hmm. your typically in golf, that's your most expensive, you know, couple of acres you take care of. Right. And so I looked at that as being, those are things I want to lease. And mm -hmm. then outside of that, what are the things that I can keep long-term, that make more sense to buy, mm -hmm. and 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 can I get the most technology for what I'm going to need? Because I'm going to have to stretch this out for five, six, seven mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. and so things like sprayers or aerators or whatever is what I kind of looked at. That's right. That was my philosophy. I know a lot of people say, feel that same way, but I a lot of you. times, um, you know, the technology is changing so much. I don't know what I do these days. You know, you. I think BJ, you're right. Yeah. Exactly how you frame that up, I would concur. And 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 if we were fortunate enough to earn a package of X number of dollars, and it included the aerators or the top dressers or sprayers, if you will, um, that they may be a combination of the two. Some of that may sure. be may be of bought uh, outright, but typically it may be financed on what what we would know was a dollar out yeah. and blended in with a, a fair market value, and and and, um, and that may be hundred fifty thousand on a six hundred thousand dollar package may be financed uh, on a conditional sales dollar out the, the the big bulk the f big fairway mowers or rotary mowers or what have you i agree with that sure you know one, one of the things though that that the where the industry my side and in the, the those perhaps out there listening and you, you reference green mowers high-end facilities they, they may have a fleet of walkers yeah Name a number, pick a number, uh, whatever that number may be, and and they won't. I've seen how many golf clubs Tennessee have. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and and there's a case where and Jeff, thank you, thank yeah, thank you, Mr. Ingram, and and everybody else out there. Yeah. Uh, but they bought them. But let's take those facilities that that lease a fleet of walkers, a fleet of X, a triplex greens mower, and I say this respectfully, a triplex greens mower. Uh, that's been leased to a nice place. Sure. It's got a pretty big value to maybe a facility that can't afford a new one, but they'll take a unit that's got a thousand hours. It's been at XYZ facility. Yeah. I got a market for that. You take a fleet of walking green s'mores that call it 10, 15 walkers that come back to me. Where is my market? I don't know. Yeah. I don't I, know either. Yeah. You know, that, that sports turf manager might want one. Uh, used walking greens mower to, to mow the, the, the grass of his infield. Okay, I got 15 of them. What I do with the other 14? Uh, and and that that's real. BJ, yeah. that's real. Yeah, I, and, I get you. And you, you know, you start looking around on a lot, whether it's green, red, orange, and um, you'll see some of those things that, that get a little rusty. Yeah. Because that, uh, that high-end place leases them. 
and wants to turn them in, you got to figure out what to do with them. Yeah. And, um, and and you you figure out a way to adapt and overcome and make it work, make yeah. the numbers work uh, to where on the backside maybe it isn't as ugly as uh, what it really could be. Yeah. But that's that's a challenge that, that, that my side and other sides – uh, sometimes that that's a mesh that's hard to figure out how to make work. Yeah. But you can either play along or, you know, get one of those days of frustrating you can't go to sleep because you got beat. <laughs> yeah. And getting beat's no fun. No, I, not an option. I've I've certainly seen you be a part of both. So I mean, yeah. I, I know how that As is. I. As if I. You know. So and and you know the business side of things is it's so it's it's ever changing. The the equipment side is fascinating to me. We, and we could talk for hours about it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of one of those podcasts that I, I feel like your time, I, we could just with everything, you know, and can talk about, we can Mm -hmm. do this for hours, but I would be, um, it'd be silly if we didn't move on from a little bit of the business stuff and talk about something. I know it's a dear, near and dear and passionate to you. You've hinted at it a couple of different times. Mm -hmm. You've got a annual, scholarship or research is a scholarship a scholarship scholarship fund that uh it's coming up uh, september the 7th i think i saw at your lightning bug course out uh out at your place so i'd like for you to talk to me about how that came about i've never personally been there which i'm ashamed to say but i but i want to to come there and i and i maybe have the opportunity to come uh in a couple weeks but talk about that the lightning bug course what it is how it came about okay i i what i know about it uh, is is your it's sort of to benefit junior golf and some of the things that you want you want to promote the game mm-hmm. it's a it's nine hole facility that's correct yeah nine hole facility and then yeah. you built it basically on your property that's correct yeah so tell me tell everybody about it tell me about it and uh, and uh, sort of give a shout out because I know this is something that you're really passionate about yeah and I, I appreciate uh, that uh, the opportunity to do so there uh, BJ and and, um, and and I mean here's how it kind of goes. Um, we, uh, I have, uh, my wife and I, my wife of 33 years, uh, Jessica and I have one child and Catherine, she's 20 and, uh, she plays collegially at, at Belmont and, um, a, a, a good, um, basic D1 player, not, sure. not, a, not a world beater, but, uh, she gets to go to school. That's a good thing. And she's close to home. That's awesome. But, but, um, I guess, uh, as a kid and I reference all this stuff, but, I always wanted a fishing pond, and somewhere down the road, I always wanted to own a golf course. I wanted a coach. I wanted to own a golf course. I wanted to be able to go fishing when I wanted to. So we built a pond. I, Jessica and I built our home 20, 20, 21 years ago out on her family's farm, which is in Triune. And it goes back in her family to 1802. And uh, so we, we did that, and uh, and Catherine came along, and at about four or five, I I decided I was going to build a little thousand square foot putting green. Okay, well, build it. Let me use that term very loosely. Right. Uh, but uh, we, with the help of Jimmy Parsons, we he brought some sod over, and I had scratched out a spot, and that became our putting green. Well, I got bored with that, and I got my mother-in-law, my, my late father-in-law, and that's who my scholarship fund is named after, and I, I'll touch on that in a moment sure. if you'll allow me. But, but um, uh, he suffered from Parkinson's and dementia, and so I got my mother-in-law, and I said, I said, Ann, I, out here with this round bell is here, because the farm at that point was no cannel, but, uh, you know, they, they, 
would, would harvest the hay and stuff. And I said, I, I'm going to build about five golf courses. I think I said, I'm going to. I don't think I said, I would like to. Is it okay? I said, I'm thinking about putting a green here. And I, I'm going to have five golf holes. And what a sweet lady. She's 77 years old, a retired school teacher. And I'm telling you, she does a bunch of stuff for the lightning bug. I can't yeah. tell you the weeds she pulls, the plants she plants, the pruning she does, the bush hauling. Mean, she's out there on the track and I said, Ann, please don't go over so-and-so without that roll bar up in your seatbelt. Okay, Bill, that's fine. Just wait till I get on. But anyway, uh, so she said, oh, that'll be good. Well, next thing you know, I, I, with some help of my closest uh, one or two friends, and in life you're fortunate to have one or two friends, and I got three or four, and that's about it. Sure. Uh, but he got his dad, his late, late dad, and uh, was All-American in Alabama, by the way. So roll time. You can appreciate roll time. Yeah. And, uh, all right, sweet Willie, what what you want to do? Well, uh, I, so I'd I say, well, well, Bobby, right here, I, I want to – I need this to kind of be a green. Okay. And he had moved some dirt around, and I'd say, Drew, tell, tell – and, and, Bobby Luna is his name. and But as a kid, we were taught to call him Bobby, not Mr. Luna. Uh -huh. That's how it worked. Uh, so I said, I said, Drew, tell, tell Bobby, to, I need him to do so-and-so. So, uh, Bobby, Sweet Willie needs you to do so-and-so. I need you to, hi. So next thing you know, he moved a little dirt around, made a few T-bikes. We had five holes. And I thought they were pretty cool. Yep. That was the that was the beginning of the lightning bug as we we knew it. Actually, the putting green was the beginning of it, and I had five holes, and I had a couple of volunteers that were come help me mow. To this day, one of the gentlemen continues to mow for fifteen years. Now um, he's retired from from the nine to five. But he's out there every Wednesday morning at daybreak. And I'm fortunate that I have three or four guys that mow every Wednesday and a couple of gentlemen that mow roofs on Friday. Without them, there would not be a lightning bug. Yeah. Um, but after the five holes in 09, 010, or in 09 and 10, um, I got bored. And Catherine's a little older. I'm like, I need nine holes. So Mr. Luna had died. Bobby had died. But Drew had a dozer. And he said, I'll bring it out there and teach you how to run it. And that was a mistake. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> all right, he gave me a dozer. And, and next thing you know, we, we built five, four more holes. Not to bore you and your listeners with all that. But we built, we had nine holes, I guess, in, in ten. And I guess we were about on our ninth year for those. So the, the, little, the little golf course, um, in the very beginning, I, I – uh, an idea was given to me. It wasn't my own. That Bill, you need to you need to do something with this little course, and why don't you have some kind of scholarship? So I got in touch with with Mr. Horton and Connie Pierce at, at Golf House, and and they proceeded to tell me a couple of ways I could earn raise money and give it back to the association and do whatever I wanted to do with it. So I thought, well, my late father-in-law passed away right as we opened up the little nine, the little, the little five holes initially. And so we set up a fund, a Jesse Frank Junior Golf Scholarship Fund at Golf House. This will be our 15th year that we have our event. And, again, obviously we started out with just five holes. Yep. But the goal was to raise about two or $3,000. And I get to select the kids that we send to the Tennessee PGA Junior Golf Academy at, a, at the little course sure. at, at Golf House. And um, – you know, and they've been doing that since 1973, originally at Fall Creek Falls. But in this case, um, we raised a little bit more than that. So a kid averages about $690, $695 a kid to send them to camp. Yeah. 
And, uh, and I get, I'm the one that's fortunate enough to, to get to do that. I get to speak to the parents. I get to speak to the kids. Some of them I, I know through the, the Do they mom. do an application process? They do, but it, it's, it's basically, uh, it basically is a kid a good kid? Does he have a passion for golf? Would yeah. he appreciate going to camp? Uh, and would he, would he be an asset to the camp, he or she? Sure. And uh, so we've sent right at a little over 200 200 kids after this summer, yeah, and we've sent right at a teeny bit over 200 kids. We've raised almost $200,000. We're well on wow. our way to getting to 200000 this year. I, I just, I've done a little bit of, of math on my early Over the interest. 15 years? Over or, the 15 yeah. years. The goal now is to raise about 15000 a year. Okay. We initially started out hoping we could raise two to three. Raised now about 15000 So how do you how do you actually raise the money? Is it through Donations, gifts, playing the course, is it a combination of all of it? Well, if somebody's got money, yeah. I, I am their guy. If they want to figure out how to donate it, I'm right. their guy. Yep. Uh, but actually, the, the tournament, the fundraising, we'll have about 100 play, and we try to play about 20 teams. We play teams of, of five sums. And one of my other closest best friends in life cooks. He's, this is his, be his 15th year to cook. He provides the meats. He does all the smoking, all the cooking. We fit him a nice lunch. But, but the facts are the majority of the funds come through at our little event. Uh-huh. The goal is additional funds coming from whether it be Peter McCormick at TurfNet, which was one of my customers when I called on him in the Northeast in 1988. Yeah. He was a customer of mine. Peter McCormick was a sales manager up in New Jersey, uh, but remains a friend, and mm-hmm. I go by Bubba to him. There you go. Uh, but whether it be from him in Connecticut or other folks in Pennsylvania or, or anybody that's a friend of the Tennessee Golf Foundation, the Jesse Frank Junior Golf, Golf Ship Fund, whether they participate or not, uh, so you can do the math and go, okay, you charge $250 a team, you got 20 teams, you can do the math, that says, okay, you're going to get about 5000 There's another ten k that's got to come from somebody. Right. And whether it's 500 here or 25 here, whatever it adds up to be, and that nice lady out front, she keeps up with it yeah. uh, for me. Uh, and, and Golf House and I, Tennessee Golf Foundation and I, we, we match, okay, we, we've taken in X number of thousand dollars. And you got enough to send 15 kids to camp next spring. Yeah. So we raise the monies each year for, for the, the camps for the following summer. So the tournament, yes, that's what we, that's kind of what we earmark. Yep. And yeah, I'm up against football, I'm up against Dove season, I'm up against the Junior Cup. Uh, at the Grove, I'm up against uh, NASCAR still, but by golly, we're gonna have 100 players. Yeah. I, I got uh, I got two entries last night. They wanted to play in the afternoon. Great. If anybody wants to play in the afternoon, I have a few teams available. There you go. Uh, so when it's all said and done, BJ, um, my little course is open to anybody. Uh, we open on Sundays at one, and and. Somehow my name and numbers, you can get it on the internet easily. And that wasn't what it was really intended. It, it was really just kind of by word of mouth. And I drove up the other Saturday morning, there were 28 cars at my, at my mother-in-law, 28 cars parked, golf balls going everywhere. And, and the goal was really for kids. I had yeah. no idea that there'd be adults that would want to come play. And I really, I really wanted, wanted it for Kids, families, adults, a minivan to unload three or four kids, maybe a friend of a friend, and, and uh, so it would be a couple of different families, 
a husband, a wife, a granddad, grand, or grandmother, yep. something like that. That's what's cool for me, yeah. to, to let them unload out of a van. I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of my alma mater, the, 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 the Blue Raiders over at middle. This time of the year, I, I may see four or five college kids that I really kind of wish they were paying a green fee at Old Ford or Champions Run or somewhere, but they come out for, quote, free golf. Sure. I'm not in for free free golf, yeah. but the goal is for kids to be kids. And my late father-in-law was a principal at Lipscomb Elementary for 30-something years. Yeah. And kids have always been out there at that farm. As I referenced, my wife's an educator of 38 years. My yeah. mother-in-law's an educator. My late father-in-law was principal. So kids have always been out there. And and that's that's the way we like it. Yeah. I've referenced a moment ago and never never went further. This last night, uh, I got home, mowed greens, face as I could mow them, uh, wishing it would rain a little more. Uh, one of the middle school teams that that I'm there uh, practice course. Um, you know, next thing I know, I see two three little girls, pretty good little players, and then later on, I see two three little boys, and they all paired up. Now, I have a daughter, as I referenced, and I watch how they act in college and high school, and they don't even act like they know one another sometimes, and, and I don't get that. But but the parent, a couple of parents stayed with them and let these kids play golf, more high-fiving, hooping and hollering, trying to beat the other one, trying yeah. to beat the other sex. Yeah. Uh, and they played the dark. I'd already, I'd already shut the grill off. I was inside. It was dark. And I see the lights of, of two vehicles where the, the parents let these kids stay out there in the dark and play golf. That's awesome. I, it, that's it, awesome. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff because, that's I mean. That's a cool deal. Yeah, man. That's, I see how passionate you are about it. And, and for people that don't know, I mean, this guy's got a – big heart for junior golf and growing the game and I don't know if you can pick up on it but this means a lot to him and and um you know supporting the lightning bug golf course and all the things that's going on out there is awesome I appreciate that you know and um you know I there there's something to be said for golf in general and what it does for you and how it sort of is a metaphor for life I've used it in a lot of different examples but kids and that today it's a great game for them to get involved in, but with the advent of no places to play, difficulty in getting in private, uh, I mean, you know, private clubs are harder and harder to play, get kids involved. I mean, having places where they can go yeah. is just a, is just a yeah. you know, a blessing. I, I help out at Stan Smoot's place out at the Harper Valley Golf That's Center. Right. It's a nine-hole facility. I see kids out there all the time, mm -hmm. and it's awesome. They walk. They got their kids. I see parents. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I know he's, it's not where he wants it to be from a participation standpoint, but that's what it's there for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's why I help and I try to get him involved in, you know, as, as much as I can as far as growing the game mm -hmm. because uh, not enough people doing it. Yeah. You know, and, and kudos to you for doing that. You, and you basically foot the bill for it. Is that, <laughs> I mean, I know you got a lot of volunteers and a lot of help, but I mean, yeah, it, you it, said you, Get home, mow greens. I mean, no, I, I mean it's uh, something you probably enjoy. I, I enjoy, uh, yes, and I and I still love to do that stuff. Yep. Sometimes it does become it does become a second job, and yep. and sometimes I have to be careful of the balance of what pays my income. You know, the Smiths. Yeah. Um. But but you know, quite quite frankly, uh, you know, 
Jessica and I are, both know as soon as she gets home from school on Friday, we both got to mow fairways. Yeah. We got to get them mowed before dark Friday night. And uh, whether that's, uh, you know, Ann Catherine was in charge of tea markers and sand bottles. Uh, that was her task. You yeah. know, make sure the sand bottles, maybe some people make a divot and put a little sand bottle. All the sand bottles need filled up. But, I mean, Jessica just asked this morning, can you get your brother to go get us a load of sand so I can fill in all the the, the, the pock marks on the practice tee, and I have a little range, yeah. uh, and all the tee boxes. Because B.J. is more and more people come out and play. Yeah. I mean, our little tee boxes were not – again, I never thought, I never right. thought we were going to have a, you know, uh, single-digit handicaps out there playing pretty often yeah. along with the, the, the kids. So, um there's a lot of work. I mean, I, I edged. Uh, I got two bunkers, and, and I tackled one of them with, you know, uh, a flat shovel, uh, a strong back, uh, a Labrador retriever driving me crazy <laughs> uh, on Sunday morning. Should yep. have been in church, yep. but I'm, I'm getting this bunker edged to where it looks halfway decent because yep. there are some folks that will be out there to play that, that I want them to say, you know, the lightning bug's a cool place. Right. And, and I, I'd, I'd be – lying if I didn't say I'm I'm very very proud of of what we do sure uh I'm very proud of day in and day out a pretty pretty cool layout it's it's not just a flagpole yeah. out in the I mean it's we're pretty proud of it and we yeah. work hard on it and it is expensive I you know I just ordered a tank of diesel fuel um you know quick as I could get in here yesterday morning I didn't realize I was sucking air till my Saturday uh, rough mower volunteer said, uh, "Hey Bill, uh, I, I don't, I don't think you have any fuel in that 300 gallon tank. Well, I've already filled it up twice yeah. from early, early spring. I mean, you can do the math on that, and that's okay. And yeah. uh, uh, it's out of my pocket. My mother-in-law, she helps a lot. Sure. Uh, you know, I said I need some tree pruning. Well, tell me what you want pruned, and and maybe we can get so and so to do that. And yeah. She pays for it, yeah. and um, without again, without that. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, Jessica, uh, my goodness, uh, she's she can mow great straight line. Now she's slow, but when it's time to cross cut, she's better than anybody. Yeah. And uh, I mean, in our house, if you came and looked at our landscape, my irrigation doesn't work at home. My lighting doesn't work at home. My beds look like they <laughs> deferred make, maintenance on the house. It's huh? terrible. <laughs> it's I mean, BJ, it's embarrassing. Yeah. When, in, when people drive up and I can tell they've never been there before, they actually turn toward my house. And I, if I'm there, I'm like, no, 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 don't don't come over here. Yeah. You'll turn around and go back. Yeah. But come on over here. I'll meet you at the little putting green. And uh, and we do have a little putting green that's about five or six years old that is dedicated for that and then the little rain. So we think it's a pretty cool little place uh, for all levels. Yeah. Everything has a forward tee. The cool thing, I think, is um, – uh, maybe your listeners can appreciate this, especially for those learning. Uh, I do have a, I have a fountain, uh, so I have a, a yellow marked, um, let's call it a penalty area, yellow hazard sure. uh, penalty area. I don't know what they're called. Anymore. Whatever they call it. I, I do <laughs> have an hazard. area that's, that's, yeah. that's red stake, um, nice straight stakes, uh, X number of feet apart, kind of like they're supposed to be. So you can learn what what does a red hazard mean. Then boarding my house, hole number four. If you hook it left on a 150 yard hole, you hit it in my backyard. Yeah. So it's it's marked off with with OB white stakes. So 
You can learn from that. Yeah. You can learn what your options are. You can teach that. The middle school coaches can teach that right at my house. Right. Right at the lightning bug. Yeah. Couple holes are downhill. Couple holes are uphill. Couple holes play on the ground a little to with the left. Are they all part three or? They're all part three. Yeah, BJ. Sure. The longest hole is only like one one seventy. Okay. Uh, is the longest hole. And, uh, and they just walk and every no carts. I mean, pull carts. Probably. Now, and I have some pull carts yeah. out there that, as the season wears on, they're ready to go to the dump. But, yeah. Um, and they are pull carts. A push cart or two, maybe, but mainly old <laughs> pull carts. Yeah. And um, but the, the but the facts are is is um, every hole does have a forward tee, and uh, so when you 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 see the parents and and because this your place, well, yeah, it is. Uh, we're glad to have you. I fist bump the kids. I mean, that's cool for me. Man, you're a Ricky Fowler fan. I mean, yeah. They show up in the orange and sure. the, the Puma stuff. And man, you must be a Jordan Spieth fan when they show up in the armor all. And, and for me, that's cool. And that's that's what I miss that I didn't coach. Right. I didn't teach kids. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Well, tell how can people get involved with it? it? I mean, where where is it located? I know you said it's in yeah. Triune. Yeah. Can you kind of give people what they're looking for when they <laughs> if they're coming that direction? <laughs> yeah, because I'll, I'll tell. I can you. promise you, I probably wouldn't be able to find well, it. No, it, it's uh, you can go, you can Google it. And actually, I got a I got a uh, a picture handed to me earlier from a gentleman that came out with a drone a, a month and a half ago, and he just he gave me the picture of the whole place that he took with the drone. I thought that was kind of cool. That's probably neat. It's cool. It's yeah. neat. It's on my desk in there. But, but um, I mean, it's it's this simple. This is what I've always said. If you're on Highway 96 uh, from Franklin to Murfreesboro, if you're coming from Franklin, and you go to the Triune intersection, which is a cluster as we oh speak. Oh my gosh, I went through But the it's going to be nice. But right now yeah. it's still a cluster. You go about a mile, and it's the first road on the left is Old Murfreesboro Road, and you turn left there, and uh, the first right is about seventy-five yards off Highway ninety-six. If you turn into that gated rock entrance, you're at you're at Solitude eighteen oh two. You're actually at the Lightning Bug. That's that's the driveway that that my mother-in-law and and Jessica and I we we share. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the if you see the castle, you've gone too far. If you're coming from Murfreesboro, you got to pass the castle, and it's on the same side of the road as the castle. And it's the you'll come to Old Murfreesboro Road, and you turn right. Yeah, there you go. And that's it's that simple. So I'm actually on the north side of 96. Uh, it's actually the address is listed as College Grove, but it's right there in Triune. Yeah. And again, that that farm. If you see the bean field, you, you know you gotta you gotta turn uh, you gotta turn to the left when you pass it if you're coming from Franklin. People are gonna really think this is out in the country. <laughs> yeah, and it used to be kind of out in the country. Yeah, now it's right between two exits off of 840 and 15 miles from Murfreesboro, 15 miles from from nashville and 15 miles from franklin and their development's coming up everywhere and yeah. there's just a low a low thing that's no signs no nothing no fees just come and play is it open it. every day every day sunday's one yeah. uh open every day uh we, we get it open about may and two weeks before duck hunting season we tarp the greens I got a you know, I have a, a volunteer blast. I need help covering greens, getting into ball washers, getting up the tee markers, yep. cleaning equipment, all this stuff. And generally, I get about twenty folks come out and help. Uh, some of the kids with the parents sure. that, that I really appreciate them giving back and teaching their kids. Hey, th- this guy doesn't do this because it's cheap, right? 
And we need to go help Mr. Bill put these tarps down. And yeah. you're going to put these staples in the ground to help keep these tarps from flying up because Mr. Bill's duck hunting. He and I worry about if these tarps come up. <laughs> and I've realized I've uh, had a few tarps fly up that uh, I was probably worried about duck hunting and other things and might have had a little damage out there. But by and large, it's uh, we've been pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. Um, I encourage anybody that's in the area to go check it out. Uh, I would encourage myself to go check it out. I the invitation's wanna, open. I, I want to do that, and, and I'd love to tour it around with you and you, you show me the ropes and the facility yeah. and anything I can do to help, you know, our time is valuable. It's no excuse, but I would love to help in any way that I can, yeah. expertise or what. So I appreciate um, that very much. I know your time is valuable, but I did want to uh, wrap up by talking about non-work. I mean, we talked about that golf, but you also have another passion, which you've talked about, which I know a lot. <laughs> you uh, enjoy immensely is duck hunting. And um, so – you well, you have a place over in West Tennessee. You still have that place, and you still get the chance to go do that uh, <laughs> as much as you like. Well, I, I, I get to do it a lot. I, I need to be careful here because uh, Steve and Wayne or Anna Lindsay might <laughs> might listen to this podcast. Wow, they'll, they'll be all right. <laughs> but um, I, I think they know when when winter gets here, and I guess the industry, BJ, since this is really all I've done from yeah. from high school and college, and you know to here. If you were had a a passion to do something in the winter, a couple months in the winter, or, so that kind of bodes well, at least in my opinion, it does. But but yes, I, I grew up. Uh, you know, I'm a native of here, Franklin, uh, as we referenced, alluded earlier. But I grew up. My dad taught me to duck hunt. He was a charter member of a, a fine club outside of Union City, Tennessee, over in West Tennessee, and I grew up hunting there. And um, kind of like a lot of things, and didn't didn't realize how good of a place and how cool of a place that was. Right. And so then to get out on my own, and and I, I've been a member of a club over um, between Union City and Dyersburg. Uh, I guess this is our twenty seventh, twenty eighth year, and I also have a place uh, on uh, on the Mississippi River in uh, in Kentucky, right across the state line. So okay. I'm about. 15 miles from Real Foot Lake in Kentucky, and my hunting club is about 15 miles south of the lake right. uh, at the O'Bine down Dyer County line in that general area. Um, my dear friend, industry friend, personal friend, Lynn Ray's in, involved with us up in at our Kentucky place, uh, along with my brother-in-law and, and a couple of my other closest sure. friends. It's a small group. Yep. And uh, if the Mississippi River's... Um, and golly, it was it's was so crazy this spring. Uh, farmer, the you know thousands of acres, bottom land not getting planted, um, and you know our blind floated for two hundred something uh, solid days. Where some of the years it's set on dry land during the season and don't get to hunt the river as yeah. we know because it does float. It's a floating blind, and um, uh, but I um, I have a huge passion to to uh, to to be a good duck caller and humbly I am a good, I am a good yeah. duck caller. I'm not a great shot, uh, but I love to watch and trick uh, waterfowl into a group of decoys to where you can hit them with a the boat paddle. Yeah. And that's such a challenge. But uh, you know, I don't know anything about deer hunting. I don't know anything about turkey hunting. I, I did learn how to, my dad taught me how to bass fish. Uh, but that duck hunting is, is the, the camaraderie, um, the, you know, my eating habits, as you know, BJ, are terrible. <laughs> Mine too. Uh, but, but man, you can eat all kind of good stuff on oh, a yeah. duck blind. You know, I can burn biscuits and they still <laughs> taste good, or I can 
fry up bacon and eggs and and you know we got on a pizza kick last year. I got cooked pizzas in our oven and and uh, I, I just I love the, the 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 getting out there and the sunrise and 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 the first first group of ducks and and uh, I mean you stay out there all day. Yeah, uh, daylight to dark. And uh, I still have that. I, I, it's it's a huge passion. It's again, it goes back to obsessive yeah. compulsive. And, yeah. And I'm that guy. Yeah. It, you know, I think years ago, briefly, it we always it was always about a number, kind of like golf. You know, what'd you shoot? What'd you shoot? Oh, how many you kill? How many you? How many you got there? You know, we still do a little bit of that. Sure. But as we've all gotten older, maybe a few of us gone through a few health issues. It's not about a number. Yeah. The golf score is not about a number. Yeah, I played well. I enjoyed the beauty of the course. Uh, I enjoyed the beauty of the sporting event. I saw some great uh, uh, efforts, and I played hard as I could play, and I, you know, I shoot whatever. And so that the number, that number's not – duck hunting's no different. It, it's not how many you got in the boat. Did you kill a limit? No, but I had a great time. Sure. And I had some – great relationships that that have lasted forever yeah and will continue as i said bob bell comes every year mm-hmm. and i already had a conversation when are you coming over with when's a turf race conference i'll be there the night of the conference and we'll head over to west tennessee and get there at midnight i'm like bob you're 70 something years old <laughs> billy i can do it yeah just tell me what time you're gonna be through with the trade show and i'll be waiting outside and 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 he and jeff cannell they generally, yeah. Now they got anywhere. Hey, we'll wait for you on the other side of Nashville. We'll be in Dixon at the, <laughs> you know, we're having dinner and we'll meet you somewhere down the road. But yeah. that all stemmed from being in the duck blind yep. and and sharing stories. And and you can pick up when you're in that confined area. Yeah, it's nothing like it. Yeah. I, it's hard to explain for those that have never done it how that can be fun. Yeah. Breaking ice. Uh, the stuff you do, the crazy stuff you do, just to try to trick a waterfowl, man, they can be so smart. They yep. can make you look like a dummy. Yep. I love it. Can't wait for it to get here. Yeah. Can't well, wait. I, I know. I, I I went to school at West Tennessee, and it just gets yeah. in you somehow. You get these guys that are from Obion County, Dyer County, Lake oh, County, all those guys, and they just take you out there. And, and it was some of the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. And I'm not a hunter. I mean, I just yeah. – but I enjoyed the heck out of duck hunting and miss it sometimes because, yeah. you know, like you said, it's not really about – I was a terrible shot. But I, I love being out there. I love yeah. seeing how the, the action – something about bird hunting in general yeah. seems to be much more of a sport to me. It's beautiful. And, um, you know, I think you got to do those things just to get away from it, especially the winter time for us. You better Because it's our it. downtime. It's time to recharge yes, because sir. the – the, our business, especially in Middle Tennessee area, is just you know it's a it's a nine or ten month grind. Yes, it you is. You know it's just going. So you're you're absolutely correct there, and and I think you're the way you put it uh, is, is 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 they say spot on, and and uh, and it is. Uh, and when the season is just it's coming to an end, quite frankly, and typically the end of January, it's like you know I kind of talk to myself, okay, Bill, it's uh, it's time to go back to work and yeah. and, and take all that energy. And put it into what you do at Smith Turf and Irrigation, or in your keep. Yep. And uh, by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, uh, I hope they don't schedule any meetings when the ducks are flying. There and you go. I've sat in too many of them over in the Carolinas with my phone, and 
you know, we, uh, we, we, uh, a lot of ducks, Billy, when are you going to get here? And, and I had to sit there and act like I'm having a great time. Yep. At, time at to go. Time to go. And we can, you yep. know, so yeah, that, that, uh, I'd lie if I didn't say I've driven all the way home and watched the sun come up from starting at nine o'clock at night from Charlotte. But I got there, there, I got there in time to shoot and I may yeah. have napped along the way in the blind, sure. but, uh, that's uh, a great, great thing. I appreciate you asking about about that passion and duck hunting is a passion. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, well, I, I don't go too many times where it's because yeah, we talked this long, but I, I didn't feel there was any place to stop along the way. But I just want to say I appreciate you yeah. taking the time. Yeah. You're a busy man, but I appreciate our relationship and the and the uh, time that we've spent together over the years. And this podcast has been a passion of mine. It's something that I've enjoyed doing. It's allowed me to sit down with people like yourself. And for everybody that listens to this, I hope they get to know a lot of lot a lot more about you. People that may even know you learn a lot more about you. And so I I, I thank you for for everything that you do and everything you've done for me. Appreciate you sitting down and uh, doing yeah. this. It's awesome. Well, BJ, you're you're kind, and and I'd be remiss to say listening to some of your previous podcasts, uh, and and not being a real tech person as I, as my age has indicated, uh, I've come to know you a little bit better. And uh, listening to some of the things in some of your conversations, I'm like, you know, you and I, yes, we've known sure. one another for years, but but not very close. Right. And uh, and it was an honor when you uh, emailed me the other day. I mean, I was I was thrilled that you would think these listeners out there <laughs> uh, would 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 hopefully find uh, find this um, amusing. And uh, and I encourage your listeners to to pass the word out. Uh, to other friends, uh, encourage them to listen in to what BJ's doing because I know uh, this stuff, uh, you know, BJ has to go from point A to point B uh, and do the things he's doing. His schedule is busy in time. Uh, and this is out of this is out of his love to want to share this to the industry. So, so BJ, to you, man, the stuff you're doing to get our industry out there on a X number country and X number state, I just say keep the good work up, and for those that, that may think this has been a, a cool listen, continue to do it. And I look forward to some of your future podcasts with other other guests, and uh, I'm sure your listeners will find them as I have found your others uh, to be really in, enjoyable. And so I thank you for for having me as your guest today. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for all the kind words. This is. Um, you know, something that I fell into and, and, and love, and it's it's something that uh, I hope people are getting a lot out of. And you were on a very short list of people that I wanted to speak to, and I'm and to be this far along and to finally reach out to you and get you know, I have to get my ducks in a row, and I'm doing this all on my own. You know, I'm the administrative assistant, I'm the I'm the chief, I'm the I'm the everything, I'm the producer and ex you know executioner. So, but uh, man, thank you. It's been uh, yeah. it's been awesome. Good. Thanks. And, um, Thanks, BJ. Do you, are you on any social media at all? Do you participate in any of that? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, uh, as a company, yes, we obviously yep. are uh, on, on all kind of, uh, uh, social medias and, and that's, that's so prevalent out there, but, but I'm still kind of the sure. old school. I, I prefer to pick the phone up call. Yep. Uh, I've gotten pretty good at texting, uh, and realized that's the form of communication that, that so many in the industry yep. like to do. And, and I've fallen right into that and I, I can hunt and peck pretty yep. good, pretty well. And, uh, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I enjoy 
is pretty obvious. I enjoy the, the communication and the banter, yep. and you don't get that when you when you hunt and pick and write down a sentence. Sure. I like the inflection of it, and uh, at the end of the day, I think you always would like to think, hey, did I make it a better place today than when I got here? And uh, I think in life and making a turn, you know, that's the whether it's the kids or the work or the industry, at the end of the day, did, did you do something to make it better and leave it better? And I'd like to think I can, um, I've, I've done a little of that. Heck yeah, my man. Yeah. Well, that that's a... Let's cut this thing off, man. That's enough of that mess. <laughs> that's, I, I, I hadn't had too many people get too emotional, but that's awesome. Uh, I think it's a perfect place to put a bow on it. Guys, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, Bill is a, a special, special guy. He does a lot for our industry, the Tennessee Turf Grass Association. We didn't even get into all the things he does for our local associations and, and the countless hours and the dedication that he does to promote our game, to promote our industry. So uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to Bill for sitting down. Thank you to STI, the Smiths, everybody. Uh, I'll promote this out, um, and uh, we'll share it, and it'll be – uh, something that I think uh, a lot of people get a lot out of life, business, and all. So thank you again, Bill. Thanks to everybody. And until next time, this is Making the Turn with BJ Parker, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.